All right, if you will, open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, let's see. You guys try to get out of here by 1 o'clock. Is that it? Yeah. I don't think that'd be a problem, but nevertheless. Okay. I want to read just as a preliminary the 10th verse of that 5th chapter, if I may. The word says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it's good or bad. It said we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's not the great white throne where unsaved people will stand. This is the reward seat. But this is also the time in which our lives I will be examined and uh, we shall receive rewards for the things that we have done in this life. Although there is another verse, and I won't read it, that also says there are those who receive no rewards and said we will be saved just yet so as by fire. I hope none of you have to leave this world having no rewards for having served the Lord. Because God has given all of us a gift, has he not? If you haven't found yours, I trust you shall. But we all have given at least one gift that we can serve the Lord for. And I know that God will richly repay that. Now if you will skip on down to verse 14. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. That word constrain means to literally to overwhelm us. It overpowers us. The love of Christ, not our love, it's his love for us. This is how much the Apostle Paul was saying that God loved us. His love for us was so great that it just simply overpowers us. It's just greater than what we can consume, the love that God has for us. It's a good thing. Probably none of us would be here today. If it wasn't, we'd already be taken out of here uh, because of His grace. We're still here. But nevertheless, for the love of Christ constraineth us to do what? Well, He said, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, that's Christ, then we're all dead. Did you know you were dead people? Well, I do notice a lot of Christians act like they're dead. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I should not say that. Maybe somebody's guilty, but I'm sure nobody in this church is, nevertheless. <laughs> Verse 15, And that he died, that all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. My, that's narrowing it down pretty narrow, isn't it? That we who now live, talking about the spiritual life, should not henceforth live unto themselves. When you were baptized, how many have been baptized? Raise your hand. All right, most everybody been baptized. You know what happened? In God's eyes, we buried the old man, did we not? We say old man, we're not talking about age, we're talking about the old nature that you were born with. And we buried that. 
And there's been a lot of old natures buried in that baptistry in there, unless you've got a new one since I've been here. Maybe you do. But nevertheless, uh, they're buried. Now we are new people in Christ, are we not? Skip verse 16 and now go down to verse 17. Therefore, and that word therefore means because of. Because what Paul has said, that we're going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Because that we have a new nature in Christ, that we're going to live from now on. He says, now, if therefore any man be in Christ. In other words, if you're saved. I don't mean you just joined a church somewhere. That doesn't take any sin away, does it? But if you are in Christ, meaning that you have trusted him as your Savior, you've had a personal experience with Christ. Whether it was in church, whether it was somewhere else, makes no difference. Uh, down through the years, I've had about every age you can imagine come to me. One little girl a few years back said, I just got saved during the week, preacher. I said, you did? Where would you get saved at? Well, I was in a swing. In your swing at home? Yes. But while I was swinging, I did what the preacher told me I ought to do. I invited Jesus into my heart. Well, I said, you can get saved in a swing if you want to. I guess you'd get saved standing on your head if that's your best position. <laughs> Nevertheless, we can get saved. And so, he says in his word in there in this 17th verse, if we be in Christ, and when you trusted Christ as your Savior and had a personal experience with Him, then you are in Christ. He is a new creation. I don't like the word creature, do you? I mean, we have bug spray for creatures, don't we? <laughs> but we are a new creation. God created us new. So he said, old things are passed away. You understand that? When you became a Christian and this new nature, old things are passed away. And then he said, all things are become new. Behold, all things are become new. I would trust that since you've been saved, it is evident in your life and evident to those about you that they know that you've had a personal experience with Christ. You didn't get it in a baptistry. You didn't get it from some other new leaf you wanted to turn over. But you got it the day that Jesus Christ came into your heart. And he said we are new creations. New creations. When you got saved, you became a new person. I realize that uh, some you wonder, but we're not judges. We can't judge. Although uh, Matthew seven twenty does say, uh, we know them by their fruits. And so uh, while we are not judges, but the fruit that people bear pretty well tell us if they've had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, does it not? And so we trust that your life is so up with the Lord that no one would ever doubt that you have had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, regardless of where you are or when it was. Many people, I used to ask, how many were saved during revival? And uh, back a few years ago, about every hand would go up, you got saved during revival. Well, we don't have revivals much anymore, and so maybe we're not having many people saved. Uh, boys and girls, but I don't know uh, you, but I don't see very many adults being saved anymore. But uh, uh, that's, that's too bad, is it not? 
Nevertheless, all things become new. And uh, I just wrote down some things in my own heart that I think the Bible teaches that really uh, become new whenever we are become a Christian. First of all, we have a new view of Christ. He's not just a good man. Christ is not, uh, you know, just come and, and put on a, live a good life. We have a new view of Christ as the Savior of the world, does it not? He is precious, a precious Savior unto all of us. He is Lord, Master of all. And your view of Christ is altogether different whenever you know Him personally as your Savior. He's not just a historical view as some people know Him. Not only do we know Christ differently, but our view of people is different. See, before we got saved, our lives was pretty well about us. But whenever we got saved, according to the Great Commission, our lives are to be about people, are they not? When he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, give testimony. And so people, they're different. They're not just somebody that takes up space. They're not just an acquaintance. They perhaps are a new possibility for Christ, for you and I to share our faith with. And I trust that as you see new people, you have got ways that you can trust Christ with them. Not too long ago, I was reading the various ways that people will approach a person to find out if they're saved. And he said, you know, one of the best ways I have found, and I have used this some, is that uh, if I don't know that individual, I say, by the way, are you going to heaven when you die? And he said, you wouldn't believe all the answers I got and how they explain why they think they're going to heaven. And then I can always come back and say, well, my definition of why we can know that we're going to heaven is found in the Bible. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. And so I understand the way to heaven is by Jesus. And do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Then they begin to kind of fill in with some of the other answers that uh, they're not used to giving, of course. But nevertheless, we view people different, not as just, not just an acquaintance. They're a possibility for Jesus Christ. And I would hope that the life that we live and the testimony we bear that someday, whenever we get to heaven, we'll know that person, that we invited them to Christ. It was our testimony, maybe just your life, that helped them come to know Christ. I had a lady in my church a number of years ago that she said, 50 years ago, I witnessed to a lady, well, you understand this lady had some age on her. 50 years ago, you asked me if I was, this lady said, you asked me if I was a Christian. And I thought it was silly myself, but I just want you to know that just a very few years ago, now I can say that I'm a Christian. So when you give testimony, you never know. I had a, a man that uh, his wife came to church, but uh, he had no time for church. He was up into his 80s. Every Sunday she would ask him, will you go to church with me today, John? No, I'm not going to church with you. One Sunday he said, if I tell you that I'll go to church with you, will you get off of my back and shut up? Well, she said, uh, no, I can't promise that. Well, I'm going with you today, but I don't want to hear it no more. 
She didn't say a word. He came and uh, had the service. Next Sunday morning, John, you going back to church with me? Now, what did I tell you last Sunday? I told you if you didn't invite me anymore, I would go with you. Now you're inviting me again. Are you going to church with me or not? Yes, I will go with you today. Two weeks later, he found Christ as Savior. We were put in the new baptistry in the church. And uh, you know it was old because it was made out of steel, not fiberglass like the new ones. And it took all the king's men and all the king's horses that we could find to get it, get it lifted in there. But we did. But he showed up that night to help put it in there. I said, John, I want you to be one of the first. He hadn't even saved yet. I want you to be one of the first to put that baptistry in there and you'll get in it. He told me later, he said, I thought you was crazy, you know. But I want you to know that about two weeks later, I had a knock on my door one, I don't know, Monday, Tuesday morning, and there was John. I said, good morning, John. How you doing? I just got saved. What do you mean you just got saved? We had church yesterday. You didn't get saved. No, I didn't get saved in church. You know I was a plumber, don't you? Yeah, I knew that. Retired, but I still do some plumbing. And he said, you know what? I had my truck all loaded up with all the pipes and all the fittings and every, all the things that go with plumbers. And he said, I was driving. That was indicator. I was driving, and just something come over me. I just couldn't figure out what in the world come over me. I just felt strange. I felt like I ought to pray. And so I just pulled out old panel truck over to the side, and I climbed back on all them old wrenches and pipes, and I said, Lord, I don't know what in the world's happening to me, but I know that I'm a sinner. And I need to get saved, and I'm going to invite you into my heart right now. And you know what? He saved me. I know he did. And he said, I just turned that truck around, turned back home, got in some clean bib overhauls, and I'm out telling people, God saved me. And that's what I'm down here to tell you about, that God saved me this morning in the back end of my old uh, plumbing truck. I said, God can save you anywhere. God can save us. And God knows that, and that's why we're to be a witness for him, are we not? And so we view people in a whole ever different light. We also have a new spirit to direct us. You see, the, the world, I'm not surprised the decisions they make and how they live, because the only, only guide they have is that old spirit that they were born with. I'm not surprised what's going on in Washington and all the other nations. Whenever you don't have a new nature to guide you, you don't know what you're going to be deciding, do you? But he gave us a new nature, the Holy Spirit. And the day that you got saved, the Spirit of God came into your heart. Just think, God lives in you. Isn't that something? God lives in you. I know he's in heaven, but God is spirit. And he can be everywhere at all times. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, he's not just sitting on the throne up in heaven where he is, but he's also in your heart. He lives in you. And that makes a difference, does it not? And so since that we got saved, we are a new creation from the fact that God lives in us at all times. We also know that we have a new wisdom, a new wisdom. Lord knows we need a new one around this world, do we not? <laughs> You know, the wisdom that, that uh, James talks about is earthly and sensual and devilish. That's the wisdom of the world, the book of James said. James was a half-brother of Jesus. Let me say that again. That the world's wisdom, as smart as they think they are, 
is sensual in, at best and earthly and devilish. I think really heavy on the devilish, don't you? And that's and so that's what's running our businesses. That's probably what's running Washington, and that's what's running most people's lives because they're not saved. But nevertheless, we have a new spirit to direct us. I'm not I'm not on my own. Neither are you. But now that you got saved, whenever you spend your time with God, the Holy Spirit is there to direct you, guide you, and He even gives you words as you talk to God. Things that you don't hardly even know how to explain it to God, the Holy Spirit interprets it for you. We have that in our devotional lives. I also have a new purpose in life. I mean, we're talking about something new in Christ. We are new creatures. We have a new purpose in life. I don't know what your purpose was, particularly before you got saved, but I know what it is now, that we might please the Father that we might honor him. Now, I know we've got business to take care of. We've got homes to raise. We've just got, you know, a lot of jobs. But above all, and through all of that, you and I can say, but my number one purpose is to honor and please the Father. Because when I do that, all the other things will fall in place as well. I have a purpose. Lost people, what is their purpose in living? is just by the best way they can in this world for what little bit of life that they'll live. If you want to know how eternity is, the closest I could describe it, that if I would take a string or a wire and fasten it to that wall and run it clear over and fasten it to that wall over there, that would be eternity. Well, how long would life be? You couldn't even come out far enough on that wire to even measure it. That's how short that life is. But that string across is all eternity. And yet, seemingly, our world today has got one hope, one, one thing in mind, is that to get all they can get in this life, just to be as comfortable as they can be in all ways. And there the soul has never got right with God. I don't know what the percentage is anymore, but it's very small of those who truly had a real Bible experience getting saved with the Lord Jesus. We also not only have a new wisdom, but we have a new purpose, we have a new walk. Apostle Paul said that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. Now if I understand the word vocation, that's your job. So you have a job as a wife, of course, your home. As a man, and of course many of you ladies work as well, I understand that. Uh, that's your vocation. But above all vocations, our vocation is to live for God, is it not? Because wherever we go, you can live for God. And they'll notice it, will they not? I would hope that your main vocation as a Christian is not just to see how comfortable you can get financially or in your job. Do the best you can. Because that honors the Lord. But understand that above all things, our purpose in life and our walk with Him is truly that we might honor God, that people can see Jesus. Many people seemingly are bashful, and they don't say a whole lot. But I've had many to say, you know what? I've, I know people, they don't say much. 
but I can tell by the way they live that life that they know Jesus as their own personal Savior. An evangelist held a revival one time. One person got saved. One person. And uh, the pastor evangelist was talking to him and said, uh, was there any one particular sermon that I preached that maybe was a clincher that make you want to get saved? No, he said, I enjoyed your sermon, but it wasn't any of your sermons that made me want to get saved. He said, this old lady that sits pretty well toward the back, and she has to have a hearing aid to help her, and the church provides that, that she hears. I know that old lady, and I watch her life, and I can tell you right off, that lady knows Jesus. That's the reason why I got saved. And so you and I need to be very careful how we walk that we call, as Paul said, a worthy walk with the Lord. Also, we understand that whenever we're new creatures, we have a new investment, and that's our lives. Our money, obviously, everyone ties. I would ask you to raise your hand, everyone that, that ties and pays a tenth of your income, but I know everybody does anyway, so I won't even fool around asking you that question. But nevertheless, our lives that, that we live, that's an investment. I'm, I'm knowing that there is less church today than ever before, everywhere you go. And yet the Bible says we ought to go to church more and more in Hebrews 10.25. But nevertheless, to invest your life. All of us know about investment. I know some people, they've got quite a, quite a little book that that's full of their investments that they've got. That's fine. But how much have you invested your life in Christ? How much is invested? Okay, we've been in the house of God this morning, and we have uh, studied the, the Word in Sunday school, and now you have uh, worshiped, and now the other 166 or 7 hours that wasn't here, how much of that do you invest in the cause of Jesus Christ? I would hope it is several hours and, of course, quality time every day, should it not. My Sunday school lesson this morning and the lesson we had, I teach the senior adults, that uh, it listed about five or six things that we always need to be aware of in our life to be the Christian we ought to be. And I was not surprised. The first thing that we ought to make sure that we spend time in every day, and that is worship. And I agree, because those who do not worship, they're pretty weak, if at all, on the other things that was lifted to that. Nevertheless, we also have a message, and that message is none other than Jesus Christ. That's the message that the world needs. We all have our denominations. We all have various beliefs and interpretations about various things of the Bible, and that, that's fine. I mean, you know... You don't have to agree with me. You have the right to be wrong if you want to, you know. But nevertheless, uh, we understand that uh, Jesus is first. If we can get people to Jesus, that's our number one message, is it not? And then we have a new title. A new title, Christian. Now, you know how they got that name to start with, don't you? That, was, that name was given to them in derision. I mean, that wasn't, you know, we're going to... Uh, make you feel good and call you a Christian. No, that wasn't the purpose. On the contrary, 
The word Christian means little Christ. In other words, these people that we see, they, they live like Jesus lived, little Christ. And therefore, that's our responsibility. Whenever you and I take that name, I am a Christian, we have a definite responsibility. You know, someone says, I'm a carpenter. Well, I've had a few fellows tell me they're a carpenter, and they didn't pass the qualifications that I would call for a, choir, for a carpenter, and maybe with some other uh, works that people do, but to say, I am a Christian. And I want you to know that we need to be proud that only through Christ can you be able to say proudly and honestly, I am a Christian. And the world will notice it, that we can say that. I also know that I have a new hope. A new hope. One of these days. Now I heard the other day uh, from a fellow that went out to Porterville where I was a few years that he said, I know that Jesus himself doesn't know. Only God knows when Jesus is coming back. He said, I know that. But he said, I am making a prediction, and now just as you know, it's in, the, in the area of time, about in the 1960s, not 1919, in the 1960s, he said, I believe that when the next two generations that are alive today are gone, there is going to be very few Christians in this world today. He said, I believe it with all my heart. Church attendance is going down. Church interest is going down. And he said, you take the two oldest generations, and probably don't even count mine because my generation is about gone anyway, but the next two generations, when they're gone, I'm looking for the rapture of the church. That could happen today, by the way. But I'm looking for the rapture, aren't you? Then, the life that we live, sacrifices that you may have made, what you feel like that you have had to do without because you're a Christian, whatever price you may have think that you've had to pay, you will be glad to know that when the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise, dead in Christ, not all dead, just the dead in Christ shall rise. And then we, that wouldn't include me, but the dead in Christ shall rise and then those who are alive and remain on this earth saved. The word says we are going up together to meet the Lord in the air. This is not the second coming of Christ. This is just the rapture of the, of the church, of the, of the Christian people. We're going up uh, to meet the Lord in the air. And there where seven horrible years of tribulation began in this world that this world has never known, have they not? And then after seven years, we're coming back. And there, after we've received our rewards and we have had new and glorified bodies, we're coming back to rule and reign with him for a thousand years down here on this earth. He came as king. He was rejected. He today is our Lord, our Savior. But he's coming back as king, king of kings and Lord of of lords is he not to rule and reign for that and then of course to be with Christ forever and forever 
I have a hope both steadfast and sure, anchored in the promise of God. And today we need to rejoice in spite of the conditions of the world, and they're not good, but in spite of it all, we need to be looking up because Jesus is coming. And whether we live to see that coming or whether we are going to be resurrected from the dead on that coming makes no difference. The fact that we're going to have new and glorified bodies fashioned like unto his glorious body. And because of that, that we can say we are glad that we lived like new creatures. As the scripture said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And may the life you live, the testimony you bear, the fruit that people see, and your goings and your comings, may people very clearly and very plainly see Jesus in your life. If there's anything this world needs to see, and it's right here in Robinson, is people who love Jesus. And they can tell by the life you live, by the joy that you have in Christ, that joy, that Christ, is the joy of your heart. That's the promises you stand on. And that's for sure, is it not? Stand with me for a moment of prayer, if you would. Father, thank you that you said whenever we got saved, you moved in, and now we're new creatures. A new creation even though we still have that old sinful life that we battle and we fight with every day, and yet the new nature, if we'll feed it with the scriptures and with our prayer lives, we can overcome much of that. Maybe there's some today that says, I've never been saved. I am not a new creation. I have never trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I need to trust him, and I want to do it today. Maybe there's those who said, I know that I've made an experience or had an experience with Christ several years ago. And I suppose that I'm still saved, but I just don't feel like I'm saved. I haven't lived that close to God as I should. And I'd like to come and just ask God to forgive me that I might be the Christian that I ought to be, that I might live this new nature, life that you gave us. Because one day, I understand, Father, that I'm going to stand before you and give an account of all my life. Whatever the need may be, may people have freedom to come and trust you for every need. In Christ's name, amen.